The Word of God says, however, no one knows the day or the hour when, the, when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, but only the Father knows. Verse 37, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets, parties, weddings, right up until the time that Noah entered his boat. Verse 39, but people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Amen. Father, one more time, have your way with the service. Use the word. Put me to side, God, and just speak your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Amen. Today, awesome day, United We Can Day, right? United We Can. So when I was preparing for this message, I knew it was going to be United We Can Day, right? So God began to stir it up in my heart and, 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 and speaking to me in a way where, you know, God is calling us to rise up, right? We had the Rise Up Revival, right? And that's not just for three days, right? God is calling us, not only young adults, but as a church, to rise up to the occasion. Amen. He's calling us, you know, as United We Can members to rise up to the occasion. God's calling us as his children to rise up, to answer the call, right? And just like in this scripture, it says that no one will know the time or the day that the Lord will return, but like in the day of Noah, right? In the day of Noah, that's how it's going to be, right? And we know, we know that, that as we follow the news and we look on TV and on social media, right, we know that the end times are upon us. Can I get an amen? All right? We know that they're coming quicker than ever before, right? We know that they're rapidly advancing, right? We see things in the news like alliances between, you know, Iran and Russia, right? And I don't know if you know this, but if you look in the book of Ezekiel, there in 37, 38, and 39, it talks about these type of alliances between certain countries and certain nations that are happening today. Amen? They, they talk about a, a, a mighty army, a mighty power called Magog, right? And Magog coming from the north and having an alliance with Persia. Today we know Persia as Iran, and they're teaming up. Things are happening. Things are advancing. These kind of things have not been uh, upon us until now, right? So we know that the end times are near, right? We know that God is waiting to step into the game, right? God has been moving. God has been working, but he's getting ready to make his comeback, amen? And us as the church, how many know we must be ready, right? We must be on guard. We must be on point, right? And I love the story of Noah, right? And that's why I brought out the story of Noah in Matthew, because Jesus confirms that Noah was a true story, right? Jesus brings out, you know, it's not just a fairy tale, right? Like we talked about Jonah, Jesus confirmed it. It's not just a fairy tale, but it actually happened. There was actually a man, right, upon wicked people that God rose up and, and called him to answer the call, and he built a boat, and, he, and that boat was filled with animals of every kind, and then the flood came and wiped people off the face of the earth, but God found favor in Noah, right? God gave him favor. God spared him and his family, right? And he restored them. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to continue, amen, in that vein, right? Because we know chaos is coming upon us, just like in Noah's day. We see the rise of terrorism, right? We see the rise of, of, of fear, you know, across the world and across the nations. We see terrorist attacks in, in, in Paris, right? We got the rise of ISIS and other, you know, extremist groups, and not only abroad, but even here in our own country, right? The rise of, of prostitution and, and drug addiction and gang violence and, 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 you know, homosexuality and all these other things that are grabbing our young people. 
right? We see the times are coming near, right? We see, you know, how the enemy is rising up, right? We see how how the enemy is trying to rise up an army, but I want to let you know the good news that God is also rising up an army. God is also raising up a people, amen? God is raising up men in the men's home, right? God is raising up UTC alumni in the gang. God is raising up men and women in your life groups, right? The enemy is trying to raise people up. The enemy is trying to develop his army, but at the same time, God is developing his army, amen? See, just as God used Noah in his time, in his end time, God is calling us to do the same in ours. If you're taking notes, I titled this message, It's Our End Time. Amen? The, the theme of our ministry is, it's our time, right? Is a gang in the house, it's our time, right? It's our time. That's the theme, right? But we must know that it's our end time, just like Noah. Amen? So there, if you tur- uh, if, turn your Bibles to Genesis 6, verse 5. It said, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. And it says, it broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe the human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, all the large animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds in the sky. I am sorry I have ever made them. But Noah found favor in the Lord. Amen. See, here in this portion of Scripture, we read that God is displeased with his creation. Right? That God is displeased with what he had made, what he had formed. Right? That, that, that it says that it brought him sorrow. It's not that he, you know, was, was angry. It's that he was grieved, right? He was grieved. Like when you, when you have a loved one that passes away, that you grieve for them. You don't grieve for somebody you don't know, right? But see, God had sorrow upon his creation because he had took time and he invested time in them. But they, decided, they began to go their own way. They began to stray from their purpose. They began to stray from their design, I don't know, have you ever been in that place where you were creating something, right? Uh, or, you know, how many cooks do we have in the house? Got anybody I know? My father-in-law, he's a great cook, right? Now, how many you know when sometimes when you're starting, a, when you're trying a new recipe, sometimes it doesn't come out right, right? All the husbands say, amen, right? The wife goes, well, you know, I was going to make this dish. I've been making it for five years, you know? And then she just decides to change it, and then you're like, eh, Right? Uh, or, or, or maybe for the men, if you were building something, right, you're in the garage, ding, 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 working away hard, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to make something great. And your wife's like, what are you doing? And you're there, saws and dust flying everywhere. You got Band-Aids on. You're cutting yourself, you know, got probably nails in the hands, right? You're trying to make something, but it just doesn't come out the way you had it in your mind, right? That's where we see God right now, that God was creating something, but it began to go down the path that he really wasn't pleased with. So he decided, you know what, the only way to fix this is to start over. Sometimes when we're making food or we're building something, the only way to fix it is to throw it in the garbage and start again, right? Start over, start fresh. I, 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 when I was younger, I used to draw a lot, right? I used to do model cars. And sometimes I would do, I'd be doing the drawing, kind of like it, and then i mess up. And like, no matter how much you try to erase it, Right? No matter with the model cars, no matter how much paint you try to put on it or glue you try to put back on it, you just can't fix it. 
I remember one time I had a model car and I was putting it together. It was tight. It was like a, you know, it was like an old school car, a lowrider. And uh, I was putting the little final details, the mirrors. That was like the hardest part. Putting them little mirrors with the rubber cement that took forever to dry, right? And you put it on and you let go and then you just like droops down. You're like, ah. I remember sitting there at the table putting it together. And one day I just got so frustrated. I got in, I chucked it across the room and it hit the wall. Boom, a million pieces everywhere. Instantly I felt like, oh, man, right? But that's kind of where we see God right here in this story, is that he has his creation, right? He has his, his people, but they begin to, to mess around with different things, right? They begin to, to, to turn away from God and go down the wrong path. So God looks at the world and he says, you know what? The only way I can fix this is to start fresh. Amen. But thank God that he has mercy and grace and he found favor in Noah. Amen. Thank God that no matter how wicked we, we've been or how far we strayed from God, that his mercy and grace brings us right back into his presence. Amen. See, so God was grieved. God was brokenhearted. Amen. But yet God had mercy. Here we see two sides of God. We see his mercy and we also see his justice. Amen. God is merciful, but God is just. Right. God is loving, but, but he's also right, right? We've seen his justice against the sinfulness of the world, but yet we've seen his mercy and his grace for Noah and his family. See, we, we see Noah as an end-time believer, right? And us here today, we are end-time believers, right? We're anticipating the coming of Christ. We're anticipating, you know, the outpouring of his anointing. We're anticipating his move, do we not? Amen? So we're end-time believers, and at that time, that's what Noah was as well. Amen. He was surrounded by sin. He was surrounded by self-indulgences. But the Bible says that in the midst of all that, he found favor with God. Amen. Favor can be translated into grace. Amen. Grace. Noah found God's grace. Does that mean that Noah was perfect? No. Does that mean that Noah had it all together? I don't think so. Right? But because he found God's grace means that he got what he did not deserve. That's what grace is. Right? Justice is getting what you do deserve. For many of you guys, you know what justice is. It goes something like this. Please, stand, please rise for the honorable judge, right? And you're there in the courtroom, and, sir, you do know why you're here today, right? Boom, six to nine months. See you later, right? Justice. Robbed this, did that, stole that, right? You, we know what justice is, getting what you deserve, right? But mercy is getting, amen, what, what we, or not getting what we do deserve, and grace is getting what we don't deserve, Amen. Noah didn't deserve God's grace, but God found grace upon him and spared him. Amen. It's not so much because of how Noah lived, but it was because of God's grace upon his life. Amen. So why are we talking about Noah today? How can looking at the life of Noah help us as an end time church? How can looking at Noah help us as end time believers? How can looking at Noah help us to serve God in our daily situations, at our job, with our kids, with our family, with our finances? I'm glad you asked. Amen? I got that from Eric, right? I'm glad you asked. When we look into the accounts of Noah, he shows us exactly what the church should be doing in such a time as this. Amen? Real quick, four things that we should learn and do from the life of Noah. Number one. Noah walked with God. Amen. Genesis 6, 9 says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. 
and he walked in close fellowship with God. What does it mean to walk with God? The, the, the prophet Amos gives us a clue. He says, how can two walk together unless they have agreed? Right? Another way to read it is, how can two walk together unless they have made an appointment? Right? When we walk with somebody, we have to make an appointment. Right? If I want to go out to lunch with Pastor Paul, I don't just show up at his house and say, get in the car. Right? He might be taking a nap or something. Right? <laughs> he may be sitting there watching TV. I don't know. I, I have to call him up. Right? Maybe even nowadays, text him a little bit. Right? Emoji. Right? Thumbs up. Hamburger. Right? <laughs> with a little clock, seven o'clock, right? If I want to go out to lunch with Pastor Paul, I need to call him and set up an appointment. Hey, let's go to In-N-Out Burger, meet you there at noon, right? We got an appointment and we begin to walk together in agreement, right? The same thing is when we walk with God. To walk with God, we set an appointment. We set an appointment with God when we make an appointment to pray, right? We, we walk with God and we walk in step with God when we make it a point to read his word, to study his word. When we make it a point to get involved in Vethi, right? That's when we walk with God, right? We set an appointment. We make it a point in our life. Prayer doesn't just happen. Reading the word doesn't just happen. The anointing of God doesn't just happen, but it's because of appointments, amen? So when we walk with God, we must set an appointment, Amen. And not only set the appointment, but how many guys know that it's important to keep those appointments? To, to the, this afternoon, you're going to come up to the altar. God, I love you. I want to serve you. I'm going to pray every day, four times a day. And then tomorrow you like sleep in, right? You're at work. But like, oh, I can't pray right now. I got to work, right? We set the appointments and then we let them go, right? We let them go. We forget about them. We put them on the back burner, right? But if we want to walk with God, we must set appointments with God and keep those appointments. Amen? See, walking with God doesn't just happen by accident, but it's intentional. God wants to walk with us. Amen? But he desires for us to keep in step. Amen? Do you know what kind of gets me, like, aggravated? You know, and, and you might be thinking, like, Brother Matt, you don't seem like a guy that gets aggravated or frustrated. Just ask my wife. She knows me, right? She knows me when I'm not at church, right? She knows me when I'm in the car, right? You know what really gets me? It's people that walk or drive slow. Does that bother anybody else? Right? My brother right there. Can't stand it. Can't stand it, right? And my wife, I love my wife, but she's like this tall, right? And sometimes we're going somewhere and we're walking, right? And I'm like, you know, we're going to go eat dinner, and I'm like, I'm hungry, just got to work, I'm walking, boom, I'm going, right? And I'm like, I, I got to stop and look back and be like, come on, you know, like, keep up. And I got to remember, you know, she's dainty, got little feet, right? Like, I love you, babe, I love you. Even with my kids, right, with Julian, I love them, and sometimes I like walking, holding hands, but sometimes I got to be somewhere. I got to go somewhere. So I'm trying to like, come on, Julian. And he's like looking at all the trees and doing this and like, daddy, Jesus or not, right? And so I just got to be like, come on, bro. And I just pick him up and like, we got to go, right? We're already late, right? See, God desires for us to walk in step with him, amen? Not to be lollygagging behind, right? See, God doesn't walk fast if he knows you can only walk slow. God's going to walk at your pace, but we must keep up. 
Amen? Noah walked with God. Amen? He kept in step with God. He set an appointment with God, and he kept those appointments. He allowed the Spirit of God to move and God to speak to him. Right? I believe that Noah knew the heart of God. Amen? Because he walked in step with God. And today, for end-time believers and in this church, if we want to walk with God, if we want to serve God, if we want to be effective in our ministries and effective in our life groups and effective in our families, we must walk with God. Amen? Number two, not only did Noah walk with God, but how many guys know that Noah worked for God? Amen? Noah worked for God. In verse 14, God tells Noah, build a boat. And he gives them all the details. He gives them the whole schematic. He gives them the whole blueprint, step by step, where to go get the, the material, how to do it. God told Noah to build a boat, and Noah worked for him. See, the work that Noah did was a result of his walk. Right? Get that this morning, that, that his work was a result of him walking with God. If you want to wonder why nobody's calling on you, if you want to wonder why God's not using you, maybe it's because you're not walking in step with God. If you want to do something great for God, we must walk in step for God. Give the Lord a hand of praise for that. Amen. Noah told, God told Noah to build an ark. And not just any, any ark, but a big one, right? He didn't tell him just go build a little paddle boat, right, a little sailboat. No, he said, I want you to build an ark, and he gave him the dimensions. Those dimensions were huge. Do you know that it wasn't until the late 1800s that a boat was constructed about the size of the ark? That's around the time that the Titanic came around, right? Now, see, the ark that Noah built, it wasn't as glorious and, and, and flashy as a Titanic, but I want to let you know it was more seaworthy, right? It was more seaworthy. It lasted a year at sea where the Titanic hit an iceberg, and boom, there it went. You've seen it, right? Leonardo DiCaprio, don't let go, Jack, right? <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. How many of you guys know God's plan always succeeds man's plan? Amen. Man always tries to outdo God, but you can't outdo God. Amen. See, this might not seem like much to us with God telling Noah to build a boat. But in that time, there was no purpose for a boat. There was no reason for a boat. They probably never even seen a boat before because water wasn't as water like we know it today. They didn't have lakes and, ocean, you know, the water was suspended above them. So when God told Noah to build a boat, I'm sure people were looking at him like, dude, you're crazy. What are you doing? Let me ask you this afternoon, is what God calling you to do, is it crazy? Does it seem impossible? Are people looking at you like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you want to quit your job and go into full-time ministry? What do you mean you want to give up your finances? What do you, want, what do you mean you want to leave your, your country and your comfort zone to go across the world? You're crazy. Can I get an amen or is it just me? God called Noah to do something outrageous. God called Noah to do something crazy, right? Impossible. But yet he did it. He stuck to the plan. He built the boat exactly how God told him to do it. And that's where the success came from. This morning, I want to let you know that God has work for you to do. Amen. God has work for us to do here in the church, right? God has work for us to do. Amen. Everything, it may seem crazy, but it's for God's purpose and for God's plan. And as an end time church, we must be willing to work for God, no matter how crazy the work may seem. 
Just as Noah in the end times was called to build a vessel to protect and preserve his family, God is calling us to build a vessel to protect and save and deliver the people that are lost and bound. And that vessel is called the church, right? I'm not talking about the four buildings. I'm not talking about the sound system or the pews. I'm talking about you and me. God is calling us to build the church to save people, to deliver people, to take them out of bondage so that they could be spared, so they could experience the mercy and the grace that God has for them. That is the work that God is calling us to do. Amen? Number three, not only did Noah walk with God, not only did Noah work for God, but how many guys know that Noah witnessed for God? Amen. You won't find it there in Genesis, but if you go to 2 Peter 2.5, it says, And God did not spare the ancient world except Noah and seven others in his family, but Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with the vast flood. Right? Here we see that, that Noah warned the people. I don't believe that Noah was just sitting back building his little boat. Right? I believe that he, as he was building his boat, he was letting people know, hey, God is coming. There's something coming. There's something big. God told me to build this boat. Change your life. Help me build this boat. Get in on this boat. Come on. You can do it. Don't, don't stop living the way you're living. I don't believe Noah was just there, you know. What's the song in children's church? Hey, Mr. Noah, right? Build your boat. No, he was witnessing. He was out there. He was doing his thing. And, and it's not like we see Noah in that Russell Crowe movie slash Gladiator, right? I don't know if you guys seen that movie. That movie kind of like, uh, he's there and he's killing people and fighting people. Don't get on the boat. No, I'm sure Noah was there like, come on, the flood's coming. Get in the boat. Noah was a witness. Amen. See, in these end times, we can't get so caught up in just working for God and forget about the witnessing. Sometimes we get so caught up, man, I got to be there. I got to set up the chairs. I got to set up the, the offering. I got to do the worship. I got to do this, the kids game, that we forget to stop and witness to those who are lost and bound. Because without the witnessing, there is no purpose for the work, right? If we don't witness, there's no purpose for us to be here today, right? If we're not building, if we're not, we're just going to build a boat and not fill it up. We're going to build a church and it's going to be empty, right? So if we, if in order for our work to be uh, fruitful, we must witness, amen? Noah was a witness for God, Amen? No matter what you're called to do, some are called to do, you know, go across the world. Some are called to preach. Some are called to, you know, to be there in kids gang and, and all that kind of stuff. No matter what you're called to do, witnessing is your responsibility. It's all of our responsibility. We're all called to witness one, one way or another, right? Jesus gave us the great commission, not the great suggestion, right? It's a command. Go into all the world. Make disciples. Witness. Right? Let them know about God's saving grace and God's mercy and God's power. Right? It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Right? We must be witnesses for God, especially in times like this, where our kids are so, they're so, you know, uh, faced with so much stuff, with social media and phones, things come like that. Back in the day, you used to have, you used to, have to wait for the newspaper to come to find out what's going on. Now it's every second, bloop, bleep, bloop, bleep, phone, you know, they get, they, they see everything. They're exposed to everything. We must be a witness, not only to those that are out there, but even to our kids, to our family. Amen? 
See, you might think, man, when it comes to witnessing, that's not my strong, my strong suit. I'm going to let, you know, the men's home do that, or I'm going to let Brother Eric do that, or I'm going to let, you know, the people that are good at evangelism. Nobody even listens to me when I go out to the streets, right? I go and I try to tell them about, right? Here's a flyer, God bless you, and you just leave, right? That's okay. If that's how you evangelize, at least you're doing it. There's some people, they don't even do that, right? But God is calling us to be a witness, because it's not about what you say, but it's about the seed that you're planting into their life. Amen? That you might think that nobody listens to you, that nobody hears you, that nobody receives your message. But I want to let you know two things. Number one, God's word never comes back void. Amen? God's word never comes back void. Your obedience, right? And number two, God requires faithfulness, not success. God can care less about your success. He wants to see your faithfulness. He wants to see your obedience. When you're walking down the street and you see that person hurting and God pulls and tugs at your heart to go talk to them and go pray for them, you might not know the words, but you know I must be obedient to God. God sees that. God honors that. God doesn't care about our success. God wants our faithfulness. Amen? See, did you know that Noah lived to be 950 years old and, not, and did not have one convert? Do you know that when he built the ark that he was 600 years old and he was built in that ark for a, for a long period of time and not one person came to salvation, not one person helped him build a boat? It wasn't about that. It was about his faithfulness. And then later we see and we read there in Peter and even in Hebrews that he was a man of faith because of his obedience to God, building the ark, preaching the word, letting people know about God's grace and God's mercy. Noah didn't have any fruit that we know of. But if you look around, we all came from somebody. If everybody else was dead, where did we come from? Right? We're here today because of his faithfulness. Amen? See, well, you never know who you might witness to. You never know who you might reach. Right? You never know if you're going to witness to the next, you know, Sonny Argonzoni, Nikki Cruz, Billy Graham. Right? You never know if you're going to witness to the next Pastor Greg or the next, you know, uh, Aldrin. You don't know. They're out there, right? Your, your ministry leaders are out there, right? Our next worship leaders are out there. But we need to go out and get them, amen? That's why we're working. That's why we're building, amen? Number four. You guys with me this morning, this afternoon? Noah, walk with God. Noah, work for God. Noah, witness for God. And thirdly, Noah, worshiped God. Amen? Number four, Noah, worship God. And I'm going to call the worship team to come up. After God fulfilled his promise to wipe, the, wipe life off the, off, off the face of the earth, and after a year at sea, and after the waters receded and the land was explo ex exposed, and the ark landed on dry ground, and the door was open. Noah didn't just run out and start celebrating and start, you know, oh, man, look at, you know, I know if it was me, I would have hit, hit the door running, right? You imagine if you're out, to, out in the ocean for a year, right, for a year? I remember going fishing out here at Half Moon Bay for like an hour and like wobbly, you know, right? The guy I went with, he was kind of dirty because he didn't tell me. We went to breakfast and, and, you know, he let me order whatever I wanted to order, right? He's like, what do you, you get whatever you want, right? Linguisa omelet, 
right? Coffee with cream, all the stuff you don't eat before you go fishing. And I look at him, what does he have? Toast. And I'm like, oh, I made the wrong decision. Halfway through our trip, man, holding on, right? We caught a fish, and just the side of the fish, I was like, what? We were only out there for a few hours. you imagine being out there for a year? When you got to dry ground, you want to get off that boat, especially with all those animals, the smell, right? Sometimes I can't even stand walking by a petting zoo, right? But the word of God doesn't say that Noah, boom, jetted as soon as they landed. There in, in Genesis 8, chapter 20, or uh, Genesis 8, verse 20, it says that Noah built an altar to the Lord. As soon as he left the ark, he built an altar. Noah understood that God had saved him, and he knew that God was merciful and grace, gracious on him and his family. Noah didn't get big-headed. Noah didn't, wasn't thinking, look what I did. I preserved the human race. I preserved all the animals. Look at this boat that I built. No, he stopped, and he gave God worship. He gave God praise. He gave honor where honor was due. And in our lives as end-time believers, we must be able to stop and say, God, thank you. God, I worship you. God, I thank you for everything that you're doing within my life. God, I don't deserve to be used. God, I don't deserve to be behind this pulpit. God, I don't deserve to have a wife. God, I don't deserve to have a job. I don't deserve to have my kids. God, I know I deserve to be locked up. I deserve to be dead. But God, because of your mercy, because of your grace, I am here today. Is there any grateful people here this morning that thank God, that want to worship God? Noah worshiped God. In these end times, we must worship God. We must praise God. We must exalt God. He is calling us to do that. We can't just sit back and be lazy and be complacent or be, get big-headed and think what we're doing is big. I want to let you know this Rise Up event it had nothing to do with us, that it was all because of God. God provided. God came through. God changed lives. It wasn't us. We were just vessels. We were just vessels. And I was broken this morning because I was so grateful at what God was doing. Man, God moved mighty yesterday. God moved mighty on, on Friday night. God moved awesome on Thursday night. It wasn't because of us. It wasn't because of you or me. It was because of God's mercy and because of God's grace and because God believes in us. And he wants to use us to make a change within our country. God wants to use us to make a change within our city. God wants to use us to make a change within our families. But we must be people that understand the importance.